With a lot of technology, you don't see what's going on inside. You just use it, you know how it works, but you don't know what's going under the hood. Hi everyone. Welcome and thank you for joining me. My name is Franco Variano and I'll be your host for the Tech Plus Art podcast. Tech Plus Art is the community for curious individuals and creators who are looking to make a dent in the universe. Together, we're exploring the new frontiers of creativity, humanity, and how emerging technologies will continue to shape our culture, professions, products, and much more. Join me on this journey as we speak with artists, makers, researchers, designers, and creators from all backgrounds and fields. Tech Plus Art is an inclusive community and we make all our content for you. So we want to hear from you. If you've got any suggestions, topics you'd like us to explore, or contribute to yourself, let us know on Twitter or via the website. You can check us out at maketechart.com or at maketechart everywhere else. So with that said, let's get to today's episode. Today we're joined by Lee Jones, a researcher at Carleton University's Creative Interactions Lab. Lee is there pursuing her PhD and exploring topics related to wearables, e-textiles, and co-design. She's also a prolific creator and routinely delivers workshops around her work for the public. Lee has created an easy-to-use e-textile prototyping toolkit for one of these workshops called Electro Stitches. She's also been a fellow at the Open Style Lab in New York City and is currently doing a virtual artist-in-residency with Damon. I highly recommend checking out Lee's incredible work online at leejones.ca, as well as in the show notes below. So with that said, let's get started. Hey Lee, thanks so much for being on the show today. Thanks for having me. Yeah, the pleasure is all mine. Thank you so much for taking the time to be on the show and for coming in to share all of the cool things that you've got going on. But before we dive into that, can you tell us a little bit more about yourself and what set you on the journey that you're on now? So I'm currently a PhD student at Carleton University with the Creative Interactions Lab. I have a really windy path to getting into tech. So I started off actually in art history for my undergrad. In second year, I had this really, really cool class called Art and Technology. And the best part about it is that suddenly the artists were all alive. So in all the other courses, like Renaissance, art history and stuff like that, we're talking about people who've passed. But with art and technology, you could email these people, ask them questions, and they sometimes would respond, which was really exciting for me. So based on that class, I actually started this fun little blog called Art and Science Journal during my undergrad. And it was just like basically an opportunity that I could email these artists and get them to answer my questions. And with that, the artwork just felt so relevant to like the world we're living in, and especially me being a millennial and like going through the whole social media, all the artworks just felt very like what we're experiencing right now. So I just want to get more involved with that. And I found this awesome program after my undergrad called Digital Futures at OCAD. And it's this really unique and and interesting program because it's, it's a technology program that's made for artists. So usually when you go into a tech program, they're expecting some kind of level of background in that field, especially at the graduate level. But with this one, it was like made for people who are artists and had undergrads in, in art. And so they really went from the beginning and taught us all the intro steps. And then we were able to do a lot of cool stuff with very little tech. So it was a great introduction. And then now I just got so interested in that I'm now doing like PhD in digital media. So I just, I fell in love. Yeah, very exciting. And I definitely want to explore a lot of the things that you mentioned in there, but was that class that you mentioned a moment ago, your first exposure to creative technology? Yeah, totally. So like one of the first artworks they talked about was this really famous, I think kind of started the field. It's by Namjoon Paik and it's called TV Buddha. And it's just this meditative Buddha that's staring at a TV. But it, it felt very relevant for the 70s, but it's even like more relevant now when we think of like Netflix and how we live our lives. Um, so this stuff just felt so relevant to everything that I was experiencing. 
So what really drove you into this area? Out of all of the things that you saw when you came across, you know, creative technology, what was it about textiles that really fascinated you? I feel like it's so unexpected. Like it sounds very science fiction-y. And the idea that electronics can be soft. Most people learn about electronics by using hard components and most electronics are hard components. And so we end up often building around that factor. Because these components are hard, we make harder accessories. Like if you think about wearables in particular, a lot of the wearables that are out there are like accessories that are hard. Wristbands, clasps, things like that that you can add on that are physically hard. But with e-textiles, you can make things that are soft. And when we think of like where textiles are, they're like everywhere. Inside our home, it's not just clothes. It's like all our furniture inside your car. There's so many textile surfaces that you'd be incorporating technology into. And I think it's also a nice way to incorporate technology. It doesn't feel like technology. It feels like these are, for example, if I had technology in my clothes, it would still feel like clothes. It wouldn't feel like technology. I think that's really exciting to be able to incorporate technology in these unexpected areas. That's super cool. And so you mentioned the Digital Futures program at the Ontario College of Art and Design, OCAD. Can you share a little bit more about how it really was tailored towards artists versus developers and the advantages of that approach are based on your experience? Yeah, I think it's interesting now because I've been able to TA a few classes for programmers for my PhD and the way that they learn coding is very different. So in the ones that I've been TAing, it's still important stuff that they're doing, but the way they learn code is like, okay, let's, let's calculate the measurements of a triangle and make a program that prints it out. Whereas artists, they usually want to get things visual or auditory or, you know, whatever their creative expression is like right away. So they tend to use different tools. Like for example, we used a lot of processing at first and then got into some other languages afterwards. Uh, We did a lot of like physical computing, which is usually something that happens maybe in the later years for a lot of computing students. It's just the way that they taught it was so we could get results right away and get really excited about it and see the kind of potentials of artwork for there. The teaching style is is very different, but uh, it was a good fit. That's super interesting. And so today you're part of the Creative Interactions Lab at Carleton University. What type of work and challenges do you focus on there? So we focus on um, a lot of physical computing. So things that are in your environment rather than like looking at a screen. So for me, I'm really focusing on toolkits so that people can build their own technologies. I'm particularly focusing on wearable e-textiles. So e-textiles is essentially what it sounds like, electronic textiles. So it's the fact that we can like now weave conductive materials into our clothes. And it's much more realistic nowadays too. Like it, it feels like actual fabric. It doesn't feel like you have a bunch of like wires just plugged into your clothing. And also these things are becoming more washable and like things that you could actually wear and live with. But the big question is like, what do people want? And so that's what I'm exploring with my thesis is I'm building a toolkit that hopefully anyone can build a prototype of a wearable e-textile. And we're calling it wearable bits because it's essentially these little textile puzzle pieces that you can connect together and then make whatever. So we've had people make like shirts, pants, t-shirts, jackets, capes, hats, like anything you can think of, except for like shoes were a little bit tricky, but basically any kind of wearable e-textile you can build. That's very cool. So where did your passion and interest for wearables, specifically e-textiles, come from? Where did the idea for creating a toolkit emerge and how long have you been working on that? 
it's a field called like tangible user interfaces, which is essentially any kind of technology that you can touch. It's in your environment and you can play around with with your hands. So the idea of having a toolkit, that's a very common thing in that field because basically people playing with things like Lego. We try to make toolkits that are like Lego where you can plug things together and build your own thing, take it apart, put it back together again. So that's where I was thinking about like, how could we do wearables like that? Because when we think of how clothing is sewn or how designers put things together, it's usually very different. It's usually like you have fabric. And then you cut out these individual pieces that you then put together. But you can't really like easily undo and redo. You can do a little bit of that at the prototyping stage. But for people who, for example, have like no background in like sewing or electronics, this is very difficult to get into because it's just a combination of so many different fields. You have to know how to code. You have to know how to like sew and put clothes together. You have to know how to like do electronics part of it. So we want to be able to make that really easy. Just be able to plug it together, build whatever you want, and then try it on. Wow, what a cool framework. And the project sounds very exciting. And so you recently completed a fellowship with the Open Style Lab in New York City as well. Can you tell us more about that organization and what that experience was like and and what it was focused on? Yeah, so Open Style Lab, they're a really cool organization that focuses on designing with people with disabilities. So I worked with this multidisciplinary team and they do this every year. So I worked with a fashion designer and an occupational therapist, and we worked with a group of individuals who had mobility disabilities and we wanted to build toolkits so they could hack their own clothes. So it's really interesting. Like we have accessible technologies. That's a big focus. And there's also accessible buildings and architecture and stuff like that. But clothing is just starting to come in that direction. Even though clothes are like so necessary for all of us, we all like, well, I'd hope, you know, you get up in the morning, you put your clothes on. On. It's such an important part of like culture and like living in the world, but it's it's only pretty recently that people are starting to focus on that in terms of accessibility. So with Open Style Lab, what we did this past summer is we co-designed maker toolkits with individuals with disabilities. The idea was that they could take clothes that they like at the store or clothes they already have that are in their style and then adapt them for their needs. Because so much of the accessible stuff out there has this kind of like medical look and feel. It's not necessarily stuff you want to wear to like an interview or, you know, hang out with friends. So this way people could buy clothes that they like based on how they look or the kind of event they're going to, you know, if they're going to weddings internship, whatever it is, and then they could adapt them afterwards. So the toolkit that we ended up working on was actually a pocket toolkit. And this is like something that's so interesting with women's clothing is that none of our pockets are functional. Jean pockets are like tiny. They can't fit anything. They can't fit your phone, your wallet, nothing. So we have to end up carrying these bags with us to take care of all this stuff we have. And that's a big issue for people if you have difficulty like grabbing things within reach. Like having to ask someone else to grab your phone for you, that's, you know, that's not as immediate as you would like it to be. You want to just like be able to use your own phone, grab your own wallet. So we ended up working on a pocket toolkit and what this involved was making different patterns and shapes uh, that people wanted and based on like what kind of things they would want to fit in there. So they could fit your mobile phone, they could fit all the personal items and then also making them so they're really easy to put on. So we focus on a lot of different accessible sewing tools so that people could just like stitch these in themselves. Uh, And in the end, they had things like some people had dresses that they put these cool pockets in. Some people had more like internship outfits and each one was so unique to their own style. I think that's the coolest part. Wow, what a great project. And so that one was focused a lot around accessibility, but you've also got another series of workshops called Electro Stitches. Can you tell us more about the focus of of that one? Yeah, so Electro Stitches is all about combining craft 
with electronics. So it's really useful for artists too to get into electronics by doing handcrafts because it's something that they usually do anyway. So like if you're a woodworker, how can you incorporate electronics into your work? Or for me, e-textiles, how can I like sew electronics in? And the cool thing about the way that these workshops are done is that it focuses on like the raw materials so you can build your own components. So for example, when I started with electronics, I had to buy like $300 worth of kit with individual pre-made components that I just plugged into my projects. And I didn't necessarily know what was inside, but I just knew how it would work in this context. But with electro stitches, people learn how to use the raw materials to build their own sensors and actuators and things. So for example, if you're like a performance artist and you're making an outfit for dancing, you can make your own custom sensor that will look good on that outfit and also do what you want it to. So it's nice, especially for artists, to be able to have that control over how something looks. So it's not just like a bunch of wires sticking out of your outfit. It actually looks with the aesthetics that you want it to have. And it's also cool that people who have these craft backgrounds, they can get right into electronics. Like they can use their craft knowledge to then build a circuit. So for example, there's a textile artist that I work with a lot called Greta Grip, and she is a knitter. And so with the the e-textile workshops, she's been able to learn how to use conductive yarns and threads in order to build interactive wearables. And it transfers really well for artists to be able to use their materials, but also build electronics with it. And so when you deliver these workshops and think about improving your toolkits for approachability, like what thinking do you go through about those experience as products and helping people achieve their needs and their ideas? So it's cool when things aren't like a black box, like a lot of technology, you don't see what's going on inside. You just use it, you know how it works, but you don't know what's going under the hood. And then with a lot of the electro stitches stuff and also with my own thesis toolkit, people can still see all the circuits and they're very visual because it's been sewn into something. You can actually see, oh, a button is when two conductive pieces come together. So I think it's an easier way to understand what's going on underneath. And same with artists, if they're building their own, for example, a dance outfit or something, they're building their own tilt sensor. You can actually see how it works when they're moving around. So there's a visibility to what's going on underneath. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And so touching on the idea or a topic of visibility into what's happening underneath, based on your experience in this space, what do you think is missing? What do you wish existed or that people were more aware of? I think there is a huge focus on optimization instead of creativity. So because I work in wearables, that's just what I know. But all the wearables out there are so boring. They're so boring. They're all about trying to like self-improve, trying to make you fit, trying to make you like optimally productive. And people are not using them as much either. Like a lot of people buy a wearable. I know I did. I've gone through several wearables and then they use it for a little bit. It's new. It's fun. And then eventually they drop it. And there's also some interesting things about like I heard that the 10,000 step thing was actually like a technology limitation. So the fact that we think we need to walk 10,000 steps a day was actually something that came from like the old pedometers. It was like, oh, we can't keep that much info. But I, I think that by building these types of toolkits where people can get more creative, make things that are more unique, they'll actually make things for themselves and their own unique circumstances and we'll get things that are 
are really fun. One example that I have from my Wordle Bits workshops, um, someone made a flapper dress, like a 1920s Great Gatsby dress, where the entire fringe of the dress was like a stroke sensor. So as you were like moving around, it would notice that your like your arms are moving and it could start to make music. So people will make things that are more whimsical and more creative, I think, if we like open it up away from just optimization. Yeah, I definitely agree. And that's an excellent insight into how the space is currently organized around something that's, you know, much simpler to market and sell. And so if you think that people will dive into the space, you know, purely to make things that are unique or respond to a specific need that they have, what does that mean for the future of the space? Where do you think textiles and wearables are headed? Yeah, I'm so excited about the maker movement. So the idea with the maker movement is that essentially you're trying to help people become makers instead of consumers. So people have probably heard of this with like 3D printers and laser cutters and things like that. But there's a lot of tools that are being made to help people get into that creative space and to make it easier. We'll see where that all goes with this virus, though, because there's no more communal spaces like that. But we'll see. I think having easy access to these tools is really important. So right now, a lot of these like maker spaces are within a university or within an institution. So for example, I have access to these tools because I'm in a university. And there's some universities that are trying to open it up and make public days, which is really awesome. But the other thing is like, how do we get people into these spaces? And that's an interesting part of the Electro Stitches workshops is that I find because they're framed in this way, you get a lot of people who are not usually the makerspace typical attendees. Like when I do workshops at makerspaces, it tends to be a lot of like engineers or people who already know about this space through classes and things like that. Whereas when I do the Electro Stitches workshops, it's a lot of like crafters and like people who would also benefit from these types of tools. So I guess that's the biggest challenge now is figuring out how we can make these places more inclusive how we can bring people in. We'll see. So obviously textile manufacturing is something that's been around for a long time and, you know, it's been outsourced to other parts of the world and is even moving towards fast fashion faster than most of us, you know, probably realize what that means for the planet. So do you think there will be commercial adoption of this type of technology or is it really a maker driven movement where it stays pretty niche and individuals just make what they themselves need based on some individual use cases versus a big adoption towards mass production? I feel like a lot more people are becoming aware of fast fashion. And there's a lot of people who are more into like the wear and repair. Like it's still niche, but it's becoming more of a thing to like recycle your clothes, like figure out how you can repair them instead. I think that's a fun area that e-textiles might go in. It's like, how could we maybe make repair kits or something where when people are fixing their clothes, they can add this technology in. Or maybe like things like if you have a hole in your clothes, you add a patch. You know, there's a lot of fun things that we could do there where people are trying to repair and not be involved in fast fashion. And I think especially now, I mean, this virus thing is very, very sudden, but I've seen people get more local in this way. We're not buying things from far away because we don't know if it will come right now, but we'll see where it goes. Yeah, absolutely. That's super interesting. And so you mentioned really briefly about augmenting the fabrics and clothes that we're already familiar with. Do you see textiles as the physical version or equivalents to some of these new emerging technologies? where instead of overlaying graphics and experiences, we're weaving tech into our clothes instead? And if so, do you see any privacy concerns kind of emerging from this space or is it too early for that? I think that's going to be the interesting question is like, how much data do we want to be giving these devices? But I think that's also connected with our focus on optimization. Like we're making wearables to gather data about our bodies and to like make actionable behaviors based on this. I think if we have wearables, they're just like responding to us and not necessarily gathering data. That could also be interesting. So for example, like the flapper dress, I was saying that where someone was like moving it, it made music. 
you don't need to be connected to the internet to do any of that. You don't need to be gathering data. So I think when we have these toolkits, we could also have people in control of their own data with it as well. So if you're able to craft your own wearable and you want it for a specific purpose, you could just use it for that. And that could be just for you. Whereas right now we don't have control. Like if I use a purchase wearable device, I don't have any control over the data and how it's how it's used. So maybe that could be something that we add into this toolkit approach is like being able to control and have access to your own data. That's really cool. So you've mentioned a few examples of outcomes, but are there any other things that you can point to just to help make this a little bit more tangible for those of us who've never been exposed to e-textiles or these workshops before? What's really possible? What types of things get made? Oh yeah, there's been so many cool ideas. So one group, they um, we were kind of looking at how to subvert this kind of data optimization thing, like gathering data about your body. And this one group at a workshop, they made a pregnancy wearable. So it was like this shirt. And the idea is when the baby kicked or did a movement, it would like change color. So it's more expressive. It's more for the people around you. And I think that's an an interesting way to think about wearables because that's why we wear clothing. You know, I wear clothes for different environments. So for example, I'm going to a wedding, I'm going to wear more formal clothes. If I'm at home, like right now, I'm going to wear more cozy clothes. So thinking about wearables in terms of where you're going to be wearing this thing and how you can maybe have some self-expression in it as well, instead of it just being about tracking your data, maybe it can be more about why we wear clothes. Wow, that's a super interesting link to bring up. How do you see different cultures kind of approaching this e-textile space? Are we all going to you know, shoot into some sci-fi future where there's smart clothes or what's your take on that? I think that's what's so exciting about this idea of DIY is that you can make things that suit your own, you know, environment instead of it being like, oh, you just have this smart undershirt that everyone across the world wears and it all looks the same. You can make something that fits your own culture and where you are. So for example, I might want to wear like a crazy shirt that changes color. Maybe someone else wants something more subtle. So I think it gives you that flexibility. And there's so much cool stuff that we can do with e-textiles. I don't think people really realize. You can do things like change the color of the shirt you're wearing. So for example, I could have a shirt that reveals a message at a certain time when I'm with a certain group of people, and then it's hidden when I don't want it to be shown. Or I can have a shape-changing shirt. I can have a shirt that like when it's hot outside, suddenly it changes and adapts to me. So there's so much cool stuff that we can do. And I think just having it be on tracking right now is just so boring. Yeah, absolutely. That's super cool. And so with all that being said, are there any upcoming focuses or projects that you're working on in the near future and are able to share? Yeah, so this virus has actually changed everything. Um, So all my workshops for the spring and summer have been canceled, but I'm doing um, an artist residency this month to try to bring them online, like to make them free. And so people can just hack away at stuff. So with this artist residency, I'm turning all the electro stitches workshops into basically a website. And right now there's just like the list of tools that people can purchase for them. They can prepare for next month when it launches. But I'm really excited about this because it means it can expand beyond just Ottawa. It means that people who are in other cities can also get involved. And I'm going to be focusing particularly on electronics that people can find around the home. So things like your spoons are likely conductive. So you can incorporate them in fun ways or other things that you might have. You can just pick up and add to your circuits. So I think this will be a fun new challenge doing everything at home. And it's also a great opportunity to get everything online. Oh, super cool. Where's that residency based out of? It's at Damon, a media arts center in Quebec. So the cool thing about this virtual stuff, too, is now there's the ability to do virtual residencies. That's a really exciting thing, I think, for artists in general, is that we can have these residencies in places that we might not have had access to before. So Damon is pretty close to Ottawa, but still, I can do a lot of stuff virtually now that I couldn't have done before. 
Awesome. And so what's the format exactly? Is it live like a class or all pre-recorded? Can you give us a bit of a sneak peek? Yeah. So that's the interesting thing about doing things in person versus doing it online. It's like when it's in person, a lot of it is dependent on the person explaining little things that aren't necessarily explained in the slides or not necessarily explained in the notes. Um, so transferring it online is going to be a very different experience. It's like you have to really explain everything step by step and try to think about like what questions people have come up with in the past or what things people had to troubleshoot. So there's definitely going to be a bit of a change with this, but I think it'll be really good. Definitely. And something new to try and pick up, especially now where some of us might have a little extra time to do new things. And so, of course, we'll link to all of the resources in your social profile so that everyone listening can stay up to date with your work and the workshops. But aside from those, are there any other resources that you would share with someone who's just getting started in this space? Yeah, totally. So I actually got interested in uh, e-textiles based on this amazing website that's been running for 10 years. It's called How to Get What You Want. And it's by two e-textile researchers, uh, Hannah Perner-Wilson and Mika Satomi. And what they have done over this like period of huge period of time is they've done these tutorials on how you can use everyday materials in order to build circuits and build electronics. And they have a massive archive of like different sensors and actuators that you can make. And they're very accessible in the way that they explain them. So you don't necessarily have to have electronics background or to understand how to build these cool sensors and make soft electronics. That's a great resource. And and that's how I think everyone in e-textiles has really gotten into making these DIY components. That's super cool. It definitely sounds like an invaluable resource. So we'll make sure that we link to that as well. And so based on all the amazing things that you've accomplished so far, what advice would you share with a younger version of yourself? Break technology. I would, I wish I had been one of those people who like takes things apart as a kid. I know that's very discouraged usually, like you don't want to break things, but that's what I do all the time now. Whenever I'm at the dollar store, I'm like, oh, I wonder how that thing works. I like buy it, take it home and try to hack it or put it in a new project. And I think it's just such a great way to learn about what's going on under the hood. And especially now that we're stuck at home, you know, you can look around and see things that you already have that maybe you can take apart and like explore what's underneath. Yeah, just maybe not the TV remote or something. Yeah, maybe those things are a bit more precious now that we're stuck at home. But yeah, anything else. Don't take anything apart that you can't put back together. That's the motto. Well, awesome. Lee, thank you so much for taking the time to be on the show. This was terrific. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for joining me for another episode of Tech Plus Art Podcast. We're a very small team behind this project, so we greatly appreciate all your support. If you love our content and these podcasts, consider leaving a review on Apple Podcasts and sharing it with a friend or two. This really does go a long way in helping us get discovered and reach more creators. As always, you can find us online at maketechart.com or at maketechart everywhere else. See you soon.